Yo, what's going on, guys? Before we get on with today's episode, I just want everyone listening to this today to make sure you're following us on Instagram at QF Podcast and on Twitter at QF Podcast underscore. And check out our YouTube channel at Quarantine Football Podcast. You know, we post our episodes on YouTube and all that good stuff. And everyone listening today, I want you all to do one quick favor for me. Tell a friend about us. You know, share the link with one of your friends today. Doesn't have to be multiple friends. Could be mul- could be multiple. Could be just one. But tell a friend to tell a friend. Get our show out there. Word of mouth. You know the vibes. Thank you, everyone. And, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. All right, guys, what's going on? Back at you with another episode of Quarantine Football. Like always, I'm your co-host, Ryan, with you guys today, sitting down on this lovely, lovely afternoon in New Jersey. It's a nice 70-something degrees outside, not like last week when it was, uh, you know, really, really hot in like the 90s. You know, Jersey weather, that's hot for us. I know uh, all y'all living on the West Coast, you know, you talk about our weather, it's like, ah, that's nothing. But, you know, enough about the weather. Got my lovely co-host, Nate, with us today. What's going on, man? How's your day been so far? Yeah, uh, I've been doing well. You know, I had a little bit of a late start like usual. Uh, woke up pretty late, went to sleep pretty late last night. Uh, but I've been doing some fantasy football research. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for this episode. Excited. Yeah, man, I'm pumped for this episode today. And before we, uh, before we get started with the fantasy football stuff, I got to see my man Carlos the Owl Plant make an appearance on the uh, Of course, of course. Let me, let right me see here. him. Always. You know, the, really the podcast the mascot. Screen. There we go. <laughs> That's the man, the pal- the podcast mascot. But the reason why we're here today is because, you know, we're really excited for this episode today. You know, yes, we're talking fantasy football. And, you know, what better way to start off our fantasy football discussion to have a very special guest on the show today, my man Andy from the Fantasy Footballers Podcast. What's going on, man? What's up, guys? I appreciate you having me on the show. It's going uh, to be a good time. Excited yeah, to man. Talk fantasy. Yeah, I mean, I'm pumped for fantasy. You know, Nate and I every year uh, play fantasy football in about like seven, eight leagues. You know, we go, we go crazy. You know, before before we start off, you know, going into our uh, breakout and bust predictions for this upcoming season, I want to tell a little story about Nate. Kind of get your opinion on this. So Nate already knows. Nate already knows where I'm going with this. So you know, it's about this was the year when it was Antonio Brown's last year on the Steelers. So I had about I think the fifth, sixth pick in the draft. And I picked Alvin Kamara with, uh, with that pick. And then, you know, my team, it was like, I would say it was an average team after the draft. You know, it was all right. I had like Jordan Howard, Allen Robinson, some players like that. And Nate had Antonio Brown. So Nate comes up to me one day while we're working. He's like, you know, I need, I need a more well-rounded team. I can't, I guess I have AB, but I have no one else really. You know, what would you do? Would you do a trade for Antonio Brown? I'm like, yes, of course. And I'm like, you know, he's probably going to want Kamara, you know, so I don't know about that. And Nate goes, you know, I'll trade you Antonio Brown for Allen Robinson, Jordan Howard, and Devin Funches. And the immediately, worst trade I've ever made. <laughs> immediately I said yes, did that trade, ended up winning the league, easiest $100 I ever made. But, you know, that, that's probably the best story so I, you, have, uh, I have of Nate for fantasy, honestly. So you just, first thing off the bat, I hop on your show and it's just shame Nate. Just yeah. shame him. Just make him <laughs> yeah. feel, just make him relive the memory. <laughs> Over and over again. Isn't that how fantasy is, though? We have those pinnacle trades, either good or bad, that you just you can't get them out of your head forever. And you'll never live that down, Nate, and I'm sorry for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. You, that was a terrible trade, Nate. You, like, you know <laughs> yeah. that now. That was just Listen, awful. I was all in on the Bears. I thought they were going to be really good. That's like the only down season that Allen Robinson has really had in his entire career. Uh, I mean, he's had a couple injury injury-related seasons. Oh, we're in but the rationalization was... part of this. Journey. Yes, <laughs> yes. Good. Now, that's now good. I, I understand. This. Yeah, I've been there yeah. too. So. But, oh, but e- either way, bad, bad trade. That was not my best fantasy season in general. I had some pretty awful predictions, but uh, I'm ready happens, to. Man. Yeah, I'm ready to just move on from that memory, move into this <laughs> next season. Hopefully, hopefully, uh, hopefully, my predictions work out a little bit better this season. The, the good old Kobe Fleener uh, prediction that you had. I won't even get started on that. I'm just going <laughs> to hop right into, you know, our breakout and bust for this upcoming season. You know, for this upcoming season already, it's up in the air with coronavirus. We don't know if we're going to have it. But, you know, it's still great to talk fantasy, you know, act like we, uh, we're we going to have a season for sure. So uh, one guy that I had on my list that I don't know if people are really – kind of off on this guy and I don't really understand why is Jamison Crowder you know wide receiver for the New York Jets when he played last season with Sam Darnold 
you know, I really – he was Sam Darnold's favorite target, like no doubt in my mind. And he was really – he was a wide receiver three, wide receiver two throughout his games with Sam Darnold, in my opinion. It was Crowder's best season to date, 78 receptions, over 800 yards, seven touchdowns. You know, just Crowder, for where he's being picked, I think he could really be a steal for, for anyone. You know, if you get him in the ninth, tenth round, maybe a little earlier than that, still, it's a great pick. He could be better than, in my opinion – about five or seven of the top 25 wide receivers in the draft currently. I know, uh, Nate, we were talking about this to Dorian in our group chat this morning. He was kind of a, he was kind of eh on Crowder, you know, but I think, you know, just for where he is, the value right there and the consistency showed last year with Sam Darnold, I think it can really hold some, some value for anyone in the draft, you know, who may want a, a decent flex already and maybe a solid piece on the bench and someone who can fill in, you know, starting uh, later on in the season. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with that. Uh, I just think that the issue with Jamison Crowder is that as the offense for the Jets gets better, I think that Jamison Crowder's output for fantasy is going to get worse. Um, I think that he benefits a lot from Sam Darnold being under pressure, uh, having to make those quick throws, and because they're trying to improve their O line and because they got a deeper threat in the draft, I believe in uh, Denzel Mims. I think that as this as this offense improves, Jamison Crowder is going to get worse so maybe towards the beginning of the season we might see some good production but uh later on i don't think his value is really going to be there you guys want me to weigh in yeah go yeah <laughs> go ahead <laughs> I, I you know it's interesting because crowder the trouble that i have with him because he's had his spurts of where you're like this is obviously the number one target for sam darnold or back when he was with washington i remember hyping him going into a couple of different seasons the, the trouble that I have, and he's being drafted around like wide receiver 45 right now. So it's not, wouldn't be surprising for him to outpace that prediction. I have my concerns about just, you know, we've seen five years of Jamison Crowder. And last year you mentioned being kind of his best year. He finished at wide receiver 31. He's being drafted as wide receiver 45 right now. Um, Chris Herndon should be back into the picture. I think it's going to be, I think Crowder will have probably what, maybe half of his games you'd be happy starting but I'm not sure I'm going to know which half that is. So that's kind of where I'm sitting with Crowder is kind of like, he's the kind of player who's good enough to be your go-to guy when there aren't other weapons around kind of agreeing with Nate, you know, in the sense that, you know, what will Denzel Mims be? You know, you're probably not starting him in fantasy. Will Herndon be back and involved in the offense? I think probably, but I don't know if I'm going to know when to start Crowder. That would be my only kind of, hesitation with him is kind of saying five years of the NFL do we know his best is his best still a wide receiver three that's kind of where I'm weighing what do you guys think yeah I yeah, mean definitely I, go ahead Nate yeah I had that issue uh, actually last year with uh, Christian Kirk where it was like he was a he was a really solid wide receiver pretty similar range to uh, Jameson Crowder in terms of his output for the whole season but it was just a week-to-week thing where I just did not know whether I should bench him or whether I should start him. He had some weeks where he was well under 10 points in that game, and then he had some weeks where he exploded for, like, 25-plus. And uh, I think you get you get a similar deal with Jamison Crowder where there are some weeks where you're going to be like, okay, I need a wide receiver. I'm going to put him in, and he just won't produce. Sometimes you'll have him on the bench because it doesn't look like a good matchup for him, and he'll produce a lot when he's on your bench. And you want guys that you can depend on for solid production, you don't want to have to think too much about who are you going to start, who are you not going to start. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. Those guys, are, those guys are always hard, too, because buying into Crowder is, in, in a way, buying into Darnold taking a step forward, which I think we all believe he can do. And, like, the offensive line improving should go a long way. But if he doesn't, then, you know, you're stuck in the same boat. Yeah, I mean, definitely. You know, when I, when I look at Crowder, I kind of – he kind of gives me, like, the little glimpses of, like – Golden Tate, sort of like that PPR, like sure. wide receiver, like, you know, Crowder, you know, 78 reception, not only about 800 yards, you know, that's not like super flashy, but PPR wise, you know, if you could get a wide receiver like Crowder, you know, super late in the draft, stock him on your bench. And then if he proves to be that level of consistency for the first half of the season, you know, he could bounce up into your starting, into your starting lineup is what I'm trying to say. And that's why I think, you know, taking Crowder in the, in the late round, is just really is, he's a solid four basically you know we I think he's shown what he could do in the NFL already I think you know he's I don't think he'll really eclipse a thousand yards I think he's just a solid like solid role player but that's why I pretty much have him as like a I wouldn't necessarily say breakout just someone that 
it's a sleeper basically someone that's really being slept on in the later round just just proven to have a solid floor you know yeah and it, last year he had three games i'm looking at it right now he had three games where he finished inside the top 10 at the wide receiver position he had another four where he was inside the top 20 so you're looking at basically you know nearly half his season where you would have been very happy starting him but then the other weeks were 64, 79, 79, 68, 67. He, did, he either boomed or he busted. He didn't really mm-hmm. have a lot of those middle round uh, weeks. So if you can pick the right matchup, you can definitely take advantage of that. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, that's, the, only, that's the only part about fantasy football that just really stinks. You know, we have – we see every week, you know, Matthew Berry comes out with that love and hate list. You know, I, personally, I'm not a fan because I've, uh, I've had experiences with that list that have kind of screwed me over <laughs> in fantasy. But – uh, you know, we see that and, you know, it's really just the, the matchups aren't even that like big of a issue. I feel like at least, you know, now in football, I, a while back, I was really, you know, pre- I was pressed on those like matchups. You know, I would always, you know, try to get the good matchups in my starting lineup. Now I, you pretty much just need to go off of talent. You know, you can't sit a super talented wide receiver just because they're playing the best defense. If it's like Julio Jones, it's Julio Jones. You don't sit Julio Jones. So it's kind of the same with like with Crowder, you know, it doesn't, the defense necessarily doesn't really matter. It's just like, you know, are you comfortable with starting him? I'm, I'm kind of just rambling now, but like, it's just, it's just with fantasy. It's just so unpredictable and weird. You know, you could have guys going up against the top defense and they could just go absolutely insane. And then, you know, I remember one year when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers played the Bears and they were like one of the worst defenses in the league everyone was like you know Mike Evans playing this week and Mike Evans put up like five points so it's like it's just so unpredictable with just everyone and you know that's definitely a great point with Crowder I think you know he just needs to show that consistency that he could have those you know even not break not big games but like middle of the pack games like 10 to 14 points you know be a solid flex What's interesting is, you know, Nate was talking about benefiting from the pressure that Sam Darnold was under. He might be onto something there just in the sense that, you know, last year he played Cincinnati, Miami in back-to-back weeks, finished 89th and 70th, basically did nothing. Played Baltimore, ended, four, ended up at number four on the week in week uh, 15. Then Buffalo in week 17, he was 13th on the week against, you know, a good defense. So Baltimore, Buffalo putting pressure on Darnold, that, you know, you could be onto something with the pressure there, and it could be interesting if he can spread the ball around a little bit more. But Crowder is certain, certainly somebody that I think, you know, if you're drafting him at wide receiver 45, there's no harm to be done for your team. There's no risk to be, you know, you're not hurting yourself. And it's, you're right, you can probably start him in a pinch versus some of the other guys that you might be banking on, you know, showing up or just not being relevant at all during the year. Yeah, so Ryan was talking about how uh, he could potentially be a good PPR target. Uh, I've got another guy on my list, uh, not a wide receiver, but a guy who's a good PPR target that I think is going to be overlooked because of what happened in the second half of last season. And uh, that's David Johnson for me, who is not necessarily a breakout because we've seen him do really well in the past. But I think that he's absolutely being slept on because of how his position was really usurped by Kenyon Drake, by Chase Edmonds. Uh, But I think that people forget that before his injury last year, he scored 15 points per game in standard scoring even, even though he was uh, mostly a receiving threat. Uh, and now he's entering a top 10 rushing team in the NFL that lost uh, one of its big passing weapons in uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I think that's a, that's a formula for success for him if he could stay on the field. And I think that's someone who's definitely targetable, not only in PPR, but also in standard. What round is uh, David Johnson going in right now in mocks? I, uh, it was like third, fourth round, I think. He's 22nd running back off the board right now. That's not bad at all. I mean, you know, last year I was kind of a uh, kind of a victim of David Johnson, you know, halfway through the season. He, uh, you know, got hurt and then pretty much wasn't on that team anymore. You know, Kenyon Drake came in. But, you know, get the 22nd running back off the board, I'd definitely be more than willing to take David Johnson as a, uh, you know, you know, high, you know, high risk, high reward, basically with Johnson. I feel like he has the only thing that concerns me with him is his injury issues. We've seen it the past couple of seasons. The injuries have really brought him down and it also didn't help uh, the year before with Josh Rosen. You know, that, that offensive line was terrible. He really couldn't get anything done with them. So, you know, on the Texans now with Deshaun Watson at quarterback and, you know, they're receiving core. It's all right. You know, Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, uh, you know, a little injury prone there, but hopefully gets the job done. I'd be more than willing to take David Johnson in the fourth 
or like maybe fifth round, depending on how far he dropped. Because I know people are really, really sleeping on him based off of last season. And I think, you know, he has the potential to be a top 20 running back, maybe even top 15, in my opinion. Do you guys like Ty Gurley or do you like uh, David Johnson more? Uh, David, I like David, David Johnson. Johnson. I, I, I think so. I've got I've got Todd Gurley on my bus list here. Uh, you know he's going to the Falcons, regardless of his injury thing, because I know that's a huge controversial thing among uh, fantasy football owners of Todd Gurley. Uh, just like is is his knee actually is it that bad? Is it uh, arthritis? Is it going to continue to get worse? Uh, I'm not even paying too much attention to that because I think that's a variable that we can't really control for. But listen, he's going to the Falcons. They're 30th, they were 30th in rushing offense last year, 27th two years ago. Uh, and he had zero games with 20 points this year. Zero. Not a single game in standard scoring over 20 points. And uh, someone that has that low of a ceiling and is going to a team that's had a historically low ceiling over the last couple of years, it's really not someone that I want on my team. You feel the same way, Ryan? Yeah, I mean – you know, Nate talked about the the whole arthritis issue is something we can't control. And, you know, I think people got to start overlooking that. But, you know, his situation with the Falcons, you know, they're they're not the best teams. You know, Matt Ryan is out of his prime if he even had a prime, you know, that one season and that was really it. But I, I just don't like Todd Gurley in general. You know, Nate mentioned how last season on that, that Rams team, who I, I feel like that team is pretty much – extremely similar to the Falcons they were both you know both teams were good a couple like about Rams were like a year ago Falcons a couple years ago but you know they they kind of both have an eh offensive line they have you know Falcons obviously they have uh Julio Jones uh the Rams they got Robert Wood so they got solid receiving cores but I just think you know Todd Gurley just with including the arthritis issue I just think you know based off of last season we really can't trust Todd Gurley to be that starting running back he just didn't showed that last year with the product, with the uh, carry than the uh, volume that he had. David Johnson's interesting because I think what everyone wants to know is whether he can still run the football. I think what we saw last year was that he can, uh, he can catch the football probably better than any running back in the league or in the top five in that category. That's where he made his mark on those fantasy numbers that you were talking about. I mean, we're from Arizona out here. So this was our guy. I mean, he's, <laughs> there are more pictures of David Johnson on our studio walls than just about anybody else. And <laughs> I've had, we've had the opportunity to sit down with him a couple of times. Great, great guy, great family, hard worker. What's interesting is you had Houston last year with Carlos Hyde, who everyone thought was kind of left for dead. And all of a sudden the volume was there for Carlos Hyde and that was enough to make him good. I think I side with you guys in the fact that David Johnson is a, kind of higher floor type of running back than people understand. Hopkins abandons 150 targets. Carlos Hyde's gone. Here's David Johnson. Maybe he's not the David Johnson of old, but the volume should be there. Oh, yeah. And that's all that matters for running backs a lot of the time. Yeah, I mean, 100%. Go ahead, Nate. I think that his volume should be higher than it was in the first half of the season with the Cardinals. And he was getting pretty high, he was getting pretty high volume there. And uh, like I said, he had 15 points per game and that was a relatively consistent 15 points per game. I mean, like he was scoring consistently over 12 points for that team. And someone that you would feel pretty comfortable starting even in non PPR leagues and in PPR leagues, he was pretty dominant. He was one of the best running backs. I believe he was like easily top 10. He was top first, five in that first half of the season. I'm pretty yeah. sure he was top five. Uh, for the first couple of weeks, he was going off for for my team at least. You know, David Johnson. You know, you spoke, you mentioned Andy. You know, the volume for running backs. I'm a I'm a very big believer in that. You know, if a say a starting running back on a team goes down, like Ezekiel Elliott, and the Cowboys say, you know, oh this guy, you know, he's our guy. That guy, you know, it doesn't matter how talented he is. If he gets over 20 carries a game, you know, volume just equals fantasy production you know we've seen it in the past I feel like there's been there's been some instances where you know that hasn't happened you know I remember uh the Falcons with uh Brian Hill I think is who it was you know he got the volume and he just he just was not Smith and Edo Smith you know it just didn't work out but majority of the time we just see you know running backs volume equals production at least fantasy wise you know actual like stat wise in the league you know maybe uh yards per carry might not be that great but you know if you get a guy if you have a running back who's getting 20 plus carries a game you know you want that guy on your team starting because that's going to give you at least in my opinion 10 plus points uh, a game pretty much yeah it's a good point I mean but volume is a, a nice floor for your player no matter mm-hmm. what so I definitely think David Johnson – I like David Johnson a little bit more than Todd Gurley. I'm in the same camp as you on this one. Um, I know we have some disagreement about Gurley's prospects in Atlanta. 
uh, in the office here, but that's the fun of fantasy football is, you know, you're, you're sitting there projecting the future. So we new destinations, new homes for those two running backs. It's amazing. Cause these were the number one and number two dynasty running backs three or four years ago together, both of them at the top of the NFL top of fantasy. And here they are on new teams. So it'll be fun to see that play out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's definitely. crazy with running backs. Like I feel like, you know, now in, in the NFL, Running back is just such an easy – it's such a replaceable position in the league. You know, we obviously with uh, David Johnson, Todd Gurley, you know, a couple of years ago, they were at the top. And now they're pretty much, you know, afterthoughts for a lot of people. We're not really talking about them in our top ten list. So, you know, running back is just such – it's such an unpredictable position uh, year in and year out. Just, just so just so crazy all the time. But another running back, you know, I have on, on my breakout list is uh, Miles Sanders, uh, the running back on the Eagles. You know, last last season, uh, the tail end of the season, we see, you know, Miles Sanders, he gets put in that starting role, and he was just – he was going off. He was a beast for PPR formats. So, you know, I know he's getting drafted in about – I think it was round two or three. You know, he's really high up there. But I think, you know, if you get – I think Miles Sanders is going to be a top eight running back. I'm a really big Miles Sanders believer – and it hurts me to say that because I'm a diehard Giants fan, but I just think I just think <laughs> Miles just Sanders. Fantasy. It's fantasy, you know, it's always conflicting with the Giants, but you know, yeah. thankfully, thankfully we're not that good, so a lot of times there isn't really much to root for. But you know, I think Miles Sanders is going to be a top eight running back in the league next season. I know that's a really bold prediction, but just what he showed last season at the end just really just really showed like that he can be that top eight running back if he gets the production like he got last season. So Nate, do you agree with that contention? Do you think he gets enough work? No, I, I don't, I don't <laughs> think that he gets enough work, honestly. I think that, I think that he, he did put up numbers kind of under the radar last year. Uh, I think that he was, he was definitely a good, a good running back to have as like a solid flex option last year. Uh, but I think that Boston Scott is going to have a role that uh, that a lot of people aren't really taking into consideration. We saw him do some work at the end of last season. Uh, I think that he's definitely going to be in the mix there. Uh, I do think that they're going to have some kind of a veteran running back in the mix as well. I don't think they're just going to sit on him, Corey Clement, and uh, Boston Scott. Uh, and I also think that his efficiency numbers might come down a little bit. You know, even even in his rookie year, uh, getting 179 carries, that's a lot for a running back. He had 4.6 yards per carry, which is obviously solid. Uh, but I think that we could see that yards per carry come down. I think that we could see those carries come down a little bit. And uh, I'm not, not too excited about his prospects for next year, honestly. I feel, like, I feel like you two need to put something on the line about this. If, if, <laughs> uh, if Ryan thinks he's a top 10 back – now. He's being drafted as the eighth running back off the board right now. So where you said he finishes, where people are expecting him to be. But I think there are there are a couple flags up with how Philadelphia uses that backfield. You know, does the other pass catchers, do they stay healthy? I, I get the impression you don't think he's a top ten back, Nathan. So I, Absolutely not. I, I don't think he's You guys are going to have to figure that out. By, by <laughs> nice steak dinner over Miles Sanders or something like that. You know what, that, yeah. that might be what we have to do, Nate, because, you know, might, might your, your be, predictions be. aren't the best. You know, the, the history <laughs> has shown that, that, you know, we had the trade. And then also you're on team Nathan now. He's, he's, uh, he's man, I'm, I'm getting you down, man. I'm getting flattened right now, Ryan. Ryan yeah, I mean, I got the, I got thorough evidence, evidence to prove my point. You can't Ooh. deny that. You can't. I guess so. This is you why can't. you've got to make the bet now. Now you've got to. Because <laughs> when you eat that steak dinner, that's going to taste so sweet validation after all these years of being right. beat up right ryan did it dinner on miles sanders uh, all right, there all you right. Go. If Miles, i will put this on the record if miles sanders does not finish at the top eight running back in the league i will buy me a steak i will top buy eight? you a steak P ppr it, it, standard ppr standard. ppr ppr if, if the standard oh, top top eight top, top eight, eight. Top eight running back if he finishes top eight in ppr if he if he finishes that you gotta buy me a steak if he doesn't right, i'll go. buy you Shake, I'll shake right, it on it virtually. All right, well, I'm a, I'm a witness, so yeah, I, you know, I can test <laughs> this. If somebody doesn't pay up, you just come see me on Twitter, and I'll shame the 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 person. So, um, absolutely. All right, I like it. Yeah, I hey, think, you're gonna uh, have to you're gonna have to remind me, Nate, if uh, if I end up losing, because I'm gonna forget. I got 100%. it. I got but I'll it. pay up. You yeah, you I know I'll pay up. I lost the bet too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, so I someone it. else. I love it. Yeah, someone else who I think is being overdrafted in a similar range here. Uh, and again, I think it's because his work, his workload is going to go down. Uh, that's Melvin Gordon, someone who's, uh, has red flags all over the place is really going to be a bust overdrafted for me. 
Uh, I think that a lot of people are a little bit excited that he's leaving that backfield with Austin Eckler, but honestly, he's going into a potentially even worse situation with Philip Lindsay. Uh, he's not going to get a lot of passing game action there. Uh, and I mean, he was, he was getting outscored by Eckler on a per game basis. I, I just, I don't see it there. I don't see him. I think he's getting drafted in the second round in 12 team leagues uh, right now in mocks. And I, I don't see that kind of produ- production coming out. Man, if you're drafting Melvin Gordon in the second round in mocks, what what is wrong with you? Like <laughs> you've got you've got Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman in that backfield already. Plus, with that new receiving core with Sutton, uh, Judy, and uh, KJ Hamler, it's just so many so many mouths to feed on that team. So I'm 100% with you. I don't. I'm staying away from everyone in that Broncos backfield. Definitely. It'll be interesting. I, I think uh, on our show, we've noticed that the Denver are faithful. They come out when you talk bad about those Broncos. So they, <laughs> they are very optimistic about Drew Locke this year. So it'll be very – Oh, I am too. If I, I'm yeah, very I mean, optimistic about Drew Locke. The, the thing about Melvin Gordon is that if you have an offense that's moving the football, he'll probably find his way into the end zone. So if you believe in Drew Locke, you might get accidentally surprised by Melvin Gordon. They obviously paid him a lot of money. They did not extend Philip Lindsay which is something that the Chargers did with Eckler. They decided to extend him in that weapon role. Lindsey hasn't been paid yet. So that would be the one thing that jumps off to me is Gordon might be sneakier than we think. Um, we have him as kind of a low end two right now in the office. And it all comes down to whether Drew Locke's the real deal to me. If that offense struggles to move the football and you're sharing the carries with Philip Lindsay, that's going to be a huge problem. Yeah, I mean, if what you're saying is true about him getting into the end zone if the Broncos move the ball, I, I think that that might actually turn out being the case. Uh, I'm big on Drew Locke. Drew Locke is actually my breakout quarterbacks list here. Uh, I mean, he played pretty well down the stretch. He didn't do anything crazy from fantasy perspective, but uh, he adds uh, Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler to a previously pretty miserable wide receiver core. I mean, Cortland Sutton is, I think, a great talent, but uh, only, 58, uh, only 58% catch percentage on the season for Cortland Sutton. Uh, he didn't really have any massive weapons outside of that. They, uh, yeah, it, it just it didn't look like a, a didn't look like a cohesive unit. Drew Lock was still able to win with those guys. Has a lot of weapons here. I think we could see big things from this offense. It'll yeah, be very I mean, interesting yes. to watch. That division's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that Nate, you know, Nate's a Raiders fan. <laughs> he absolutely uh, hates all the teams in that division, and you know, Raiders being the worst team in that division probably for this upcoming season. Uh, sad, sad year for you, Nate, That is right? not true. The, yeah, the, Chargers are, the Chargers are absolutely going to be worse than the Raiders. The Chargers yeah, we'll, are we'll – We'll see. The Chargers we'll have see. no quarterback. We'll the Chargers see. have no quarterback. <laughs> and they got everything else. You know, that's pretty much how the Chargers are. They, they literally have everything else except a quarterback pretty much. That is how they feel. At least their defense should be outstanding. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know with the limited camp this year due to COVID, assuming we have a season – it's going to make it harder for guys like Justin Herbert to get on the field early. So it's like, are, are they going to split time? What's going to happen there? Is Tyrod going to do what he did in Cleveland, pave the way for Baker? You know, that's what he did in Cleveland. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> is he going to pave the way for Herbert? I don't know. Um, I've always well, by kind just, of By just playing badly? Him. Is that what you mean by – is that what? Yeah, you mean that's what I mean, paving the way. Paving the yeah. way. Just kind of <laughs> taking up a roster spot for three weeks as the starter and then moving on. But I've always kind of liked Tyrod more than the consensus. It's just been a long time since Buffalo when we saw him on the field and and he could manage an offense. So, yeah, you know, it's one of those teams, both of those teams, Denver and the Chargers, they may go as their quarterback goes because some of the other peripheral pieces are not bad. So Yeah. I mean, I'm not a I'm, – I'm a Raiders fan, but I'm honestly not all in on Derek Carr. But this is one circumstance in the AFC West where I'm glad that we have Derek Carr. He's at least consistent. You kind of know what you're getting at this point with Derek Carr. Consistently bad? No, he's not bad. I mean, he's consistently average mm. to above average as a quarterback. And uh, I think we know what we're getting, and it's a guy that we can actually build a team around uh, where some of the other AFC West teams, certainly not the Chiefs, but the Chargers and the Broncos, they're kind of – in a little bit of a quarterback limbo here. For sure. I, I, I don't know if I'd put, like, the, uh, the Broncos in a quarterback limbo just yet. You know, Drew Locke played one season. It's kind of hard to evaluate if he's franchise oh, yeah, I'm not, or not. I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying that uh, they, okay. they, don't have a proven, they don't have a proven talent there. I think he's going to be good, like I said. All but right. uh, they, they certainly don't have anything proven there. It's hard to build a team around a guy that you don't really know what you're getting. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely fair. Uh, another running back, you know, we were talking about Melvin Gordon, how, you know, that backfield might, might limit his, uh, his potential and touches uh, for the 
for the Broncos. Uh, I have a running back, you know, kind of similar to Melvin Gordon. I think he's more talented, but I think, you know, the running back that he has in the backfield with him will really limit the touches he has. And that guy is Nick Chubb. I think, you know, we saw at the end of last season when Kareem Hunt came back, it, Nick Chubb, I, I saw some stat where it said uh, Nick Chubb uh, first half of the season was like a top, I think it was like top seven running back in the league. And then when Kareem Hunt came back, he immediately was like an RB2, like RB3 uh, type running back. I think, you know, especially with that uh, that Browns team, uh, with the weapons they have in Odell, Jarvis Landry, now Austin Hooper, and, you know, now Kareem Hunt in that backfield for a full season with Nick Chubb. I just can't trust Nick Chubb for where, where he's being drafted. I wouldn't say – trust I want to say I can't trust Nick Chubb as an actual running back because he's an extremely talented running back I can't trust him to have the production and the volume of an RB1 just having those other players on that Browns team and Kareem Hunt in that backfield I just can't I can't draft him for where he's being drafted right now which is round one or early round two yeah I mean if you're if you're listening to this show right now for advice here's the advice that I would give you regarding Nick Chubb is just if you're in PPR you don't touch him and he only averaged 11.6 points in uh, even in standard after Kareem Hunt came back. Uh, after Kareem Hunt came back, and uh, he only had 11 catches in that span to Hunt's 37. Uh, if you, if you're in PPR, the running back to own in that backfield is absolutely Kareem Hunt. I mean, there's there's really in even in that small sample size, it's clear Hunt had more than triple the catches. Uh, I think that Nick Chubb could still be a solid option in non PPR like in standard leagues. Uh, but even then, it's kind of a risk. We saw Kareem Hunt even take some of the rushing workload from Nick Chubb. He was the clear third down back, and he was even uh, biting in a little bit to Chubb's time in, as first and second down back. So uh, I, I wouldn't be too confident with Nick Chubb either, especially if I'm in a PPR league. Are you saying that you would uh, draft Hunt over Chubb in a PPR league? I would, yeah. Interesting. I don't know if I'd do that. You know, I, I would. I mean, where, he, where, he, Well, where Chubb's going, I wouldn't pick Hunt in like round one. Hunt outscored him by quite a significant margin in PBR while while he was back on the Browns. Like it was it was very significant. I think he he outscored him by I I don't actually have the stat up right now, but he outscored him by a fair amount. It was twenty six more catches that he had, and even in standard, I believe he outscored him. So, so the question will be whether you are witnessing a trend or just a small period of time with Kareem Hunt because it's hard, it's really hard to dismiss fifteen hundred yards rushing and three hundred carries from Nick Chubb that's the difficult part for me and Kevin Stefanski's taking over that offense we saw how great how committed he was to the run in Minnesota last year with what Dalvin Cook did just a matter of how does that break down and is it is it uh you know do they look at Kareem Hunt as somebody they're going to give a contract to next year too you know if if they're not going to keep him around then his value this year and how often they use him is going to change but if they think they're going to keep him around it does create a conundrum for who to draft and where that player is going to end up and you know I think I still side on the Nick Chubb side and in all formats but I think Kareem Hunt is somebody we have as a value in drafts right now because I think he's being drafted lower than what his actual involvement will be so it'll be that'll be another team where you know last year Nick Chubb had a ridiculous amount of opportunities to get into the end zone and didn't convert them which is not really, you know, with a player that averages five a carry and runs for 1,500 yards, it's a little bit anomalous for him not to get in the end zone at a greater frequency. So what I could see happening is Nick Chubb's utilization goes down, much like the end of the year, like Nathan was saying with, uh, you know, Kareem Hunt's involvement. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if Nick Chubb still ends up with 12 touchdowns, and that's where the value might end up. Yeah, I would. Take. Yeah, I would personally say that, it, it really comes back to why, why do the Browns have Kareem Hunt in the first place? And the reason why they have him, the reason why he's not on the Chiefs anymore is not really because of any on-the-field reasons. It's because of what happened off the field. I mean, he was a fantastic running back when he was with the Chiefs. Uh, honestly, top five, I think almost a consensus top five when he was on the Chiefs in the entire NFL uh, in terms of rushing talent. And I don't think that his talent is really, I mean, it hasn't really changed since then. The, the only reason why he actually left the Chiefs is because of the off-the-field reasons. And then since he's joined the Browns, he's outperformed their running back in Nick Chubb, who's also a very talented running back. But, like, nothing changed on the field. Like, Kareem Hunt is still pretty much the same running back talent-wise as he was a few years ago. And, um, I mean, he's still in his prime. 
And I, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be able to outscore Nick Chubb as long as the actual coaching staff on the Browns realizes that he is still the same talented running back that he was. I kind of have – this is kind of an interesting – I just thought of this now. Do you think that, like, halfway through the season before the trade deadline, if, you know, say Nick Chubb is outperforming Kareem Hunt or Kareem Hunt's outperforming Nick Chubb, do you think the Browns could possibly, you know, trade away one of those running backs? You don't no, think so? I, I, don't, I don't see that happening. I mean, I think that it's such a valuable weapon in the NFL right now to be able to rotate between two running backs because of how much wear and tear you see on these, like, top bell cow running backs year in and year out. Um, I think that the Saints have really managed that very well. I mean, first they had Mark Ingram and uh, and they had Alvin Kamara, and that that enabled them to keep carries down for Alvin Kamara. And now they uh, brought in Latavius Murray. They've kept him around. Uh, just having those two running back weapons, they are able to rotate and give both significant amounts of carries. It's important, and I think that it's something that NFL teams aren't really looking to just trade away. They're definitely looking to hang on to something like that. Yeah, I mean, we, we it's just like with – I'm just staying away from Chubb, honestly. I just can't in the first round. There are some other running backs like I mentioned. Is he Miles going Sanders. in the first round? I think so. I don't, I, I, I was I don't some, think he's going in the first maybe round. Maybe early second, uh, I think, either late first, early second. But still, even, even ten, then, ten like – running back off the board. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, then, early like, second. Yeah, even then, like – like Miles Sanders, I would want him over uh, Nick Chubb, honestly. That's just uh, nah. my per- that's just my personal preference. I mean, yeah, you know? yeah, potentially. We we already uh, we close. already discussed that point, but uh, there's just some more like it's just not necessarily <laughs> Chubb as a player, just the the uncertainty in you know his production level. I just don't know if he's gonna you know bring to the table that RB one uh, maybe a high RB two value that you know where where you're drafting him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then this is someone I just, before we like run out of time here, I just wanted to bring up someone uh, that we could have a kind of in-depth conversation about. Uh, this is someone who is on my breakout quarterbacks list. Uh, and this is kind of controversial. I've seen other guys that totally agree with this. I've seen other guys that are very, very, uh, that disagree with this very strongly because they just think that this team is going to be terrible. Ryan is one of those people. Uh, and this is Gardner Minshew. Gardner oh. Minshew, Gardner Minshew last year, had eight games over 20 points, and three of them were against Houston, Tennessee, and Kansas City, and he had three games over 25 points as well. I mean, I think that on, on that Jaguars team last year, and with consistency and p- potential improvement for this year, I think that he could do even better. I think that this could be a breakout candidate for sure. And, uh, I mean, I think they that he's going to have a – I think that he's going to – I think that he's going to have a solid a solid floor as well just because he can scramble out of the pocket and he's generally pretty good at avoiding pressure. So, I mean, I could see this being a really solid season, especially where he's drafted. I think he's in like 17 design runs, 17 design runs from last year, 50 scrambles, 350-plus rushing yards, and limited work. The floor statement I, I hold to be probably accurate. If he has the starting job, we remember Alex Smith from a while back where he – had a 300 to 400 yard a year rushing baseline and it kind of it kind of you know helped the grimace that's on Ryan's face go away from <laughs> week to week because he was scrambling enough to make up for it so I know specifically Mike here in the studio big Gardner fan for the upcoming season kind of buys into what Nathan's saying um, it seems that Ryan doesn't here I I've talked about it with Nate. I think the Jaguars are the worst team in the league. Uh, You're not coming. a Jorts fan. You don't you don't wear the Jorts. <laughs> oh my God, just like I just don't think they're good. They just don't look they're, good on they're paper. Not that great, no. They're they're just not. Like the defense is terrible. That offensive line is terrible. You know, DJ uh, DJ Chark had one good season where he was again inconsistent for a lot of the season. And, you know, they just – it's just like I can't trust Gardner Minshew at only after one season. I don't think, you know, he has the – I think he's a solid starting quarterback. I don't think he's anything special. I think, you know, he's a middle-of-the-pack guy. I think he'll be like QB like – QB 15 to like 20 on the list. I don't think top 10. I, I just don't know if I could trust Gardner Minshew on that I mean, terrible Jaguars team. I QB, just don't know. QB 15. QB 15 would be a steal where he's being drafted right now. Where, where's I mean, he being he drafted? drafted? I believe he's being drafted in the 20s for quarterbacks. Am I wrong there? I mean, I think he's like 23, 24. Yeah. But yeah, uh, either. Uh, interesting. Where is he's he? An interesting player. He is at. Uh, no, he's being drafted at quarterback 25 in best ball drafts right now yeah exactly i mean like if you draft him at 25 and you're getting that 15 20 production i mean that's still still a steal still someone that you want to have on your team 
Yeah, he's he's not in the range where, for me personally, I would ever make him an every week start. I mean, when you're talking about quarterbacks and you're streaming quarterbacks, Gardner's somebody that had some good games. He had, you know, there are some metrics out there that say, wow, this is a guy that I think he was number two in football when he was in the pocket and throwing the ball 20 plus yards down the field. And you're like, wait, how is that even possible? You know, it, it, and DJ Chark is somebody that we believe in over here. And you don't have to be a good team to have a good fantasy line. I mean, we saw Blake Bortles for years have some kind of wild games on a really <laughs> bad Jacksonville team. So that would be on that, on that side of the equation. You know, the other side is, is they're probably going to be a team that's struggling. Is he going to be a player that can uh, protect the football when they're constantly coming back in games? If they are indeed a bad team, when he's freewheeling it, I mean, is that a good thing like it was at times for Blake Bortles? Or has this become something where, you know, Gardner throws too many interceptions and, he, and he, you know, it becomes something where he's, he's not the future. So um, he's, he's definitely a dividing player, like you said, Nathan. There's a lot of, lot of people in the industry that see upside with Gardner, but there's a lot of people that just kind of, I think, would rather take their chances on a Drew Locke or take their chances on a Sam Darnold than a Gardner Minshew. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I have to say I'm one of those guys who would take my chances on uh, Drew Locke or Sam Darnold. I just think to, you know, like you mentioned, you know, if the Jaguars are down big and, you know, Gardner Minshew is just slinging it around, you know, with uh, no care in the world, that can just lead to endless amounts of interceptions right there. And that's just something that re already I don't want to be a part of. And, you know, Gardner Minshew in general was, you know, he – I felt like he was he had some good games last season, but he was a little bit inconsistent with his uh with his stats in fantasy. I just don't know if I could, you know, even where he is being drafted, I don't I just don't know if I could trust him. You know, I can't start Gardner Minshew every week uh for, for my fantasy team. I mean, yeah, but if you're talking about turnovers, I mean one of the obviously one of the most turnover prone quarterbacks that we've seen pretty much ever was Jameis Winston last year, and he was still a top ten fantasy quarterback. Top 10. I mean, he threw 30 interceptions and he was still able to be a top 10 fantasy quarterback. I just want to leave you with that thought. Uh, <laughs> another, yeah, another, another uh, breakout QB that I've got on my list uh, is a really, really obvious one. And people are drafting him as such. I believe he's the fourth quarterback drafted, but I think that he could even outperform that. I think he could be the best quarterback in all of fantasy next year. And that's Kyler Murray. Uh, 10 games over 20 points last year, six games over 24, and only three of them below 17. He adds DeAndre Hopkins this year. Uh, and after he got Kenyon Drake last year, he was over 22 points average. And the only bad game he had was a 13-point game. In that game, in that 13-point game, he outscored Russell Wilson on the road. I mean, like, I think that this has the makings of someone who can easily be the best quarterback in fantasy. He has that kind of upside. His floor, again, I mean, he has a ridiculously good rushing floor, just like we were talking about with Gardner Minshew, but just even higher than that. Uh, and, yeah, I can see him being the number one quarterback, number two quarterback in fantasy. I'm easily drafting him at number four here. What do you guys you, think you about know that? Who, you know who else has a, has a pretty good rushing floor? Uh, I don't know if you've heard of him. He, he goes by Lamar Jackson <laughs> of uh, the Baltimore Ravens. You know, I heard he's got pretty good rushing floor. Uh, I'm going to have to completely disagree with your statement of him being the best quarterback in fantasy. I, you know, I don't know if you – Forgot about uh, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson existing uh, in football, but I don't, I don't, I can't see Murray being top five, at least not next season. Maybe in seasons to come, but just not, not next season, not yet. It's too early. That's what I people will, said about Lamar Jackson last year. I will choose to not argue against Kyler Murray in any way, shape, or form because we are uh, <laughs> in Phoenix, and so uh, DeAndre Hopkins arriving, and you talking about Kyler Murray taking the next step. Really, I'm just going to choose to accept those as facts. I'm not going to objectively look at them in any capacity. And I appreciate the Super Bowl cha championship coming to Arizona. Thank you. Absolutely. I, Absolutely. I, I just, I'm, I'm with you, you. Nate, are you willing to – you know, we made that bet on Miles Sanders. Are you willing to make a bet that Kyler Murray will be a top three fantasy quarterback next season? Ooh, top three is a tough line. Top three? I mean, you said he's going to be willing. the best. You said he's no. going to be the best. I said, I said he, he could, could be the best. Be the best. He said he could I said be that he's a good value at number four. I mean, like, I think that there's a very good chance that he ends up as number four, which would be behind basically who would it be? Like Dak, Lamar Jackson, Mahomes. Pat Mahomes, and Dak. Maybe, yeah. I mean, Russell Wilson doesn't really put could up the passing numbers that he could, but, I mean, it could be Russell Wilson there. But I think that there's a solid chance that he ends up number four. I'm not so confident that I would absolutely put him in the top three. All right, but, so, I mean, so at number five, four, he's five. Top five. He's a safe pick at number four. Yeah, I'll, I'll consider, make a, I'll make a I'll bet consider with it. Come on. I'll consider it. I'll consider it after the oh, show. I've already God. made one bet the show. I'm not like a just, gambling just addict. Wrap, 
I was going to say, just wrap him into some jorts bet with Gardner, where he has to <laughs> eat the steak. He has to eat the steak in the jorts, and then you're good. Oh my yes. gosh, that would be that would be absolutely <laughs> terrible. But I, uh, you know, we're talking about quarterbacks. Uh, so moving over to to bus. Uh, one guy that I think you know everyone really should stay away from uh, this season is Aaron Rodgers, honestly, and. I don't know if uh, you guys agree with this, but I think Aaron Rodgers is out of his prime. Uh, that offense last season showed that they're run first. You know, Aaron Jones was an absolute monster. They have a solid backfield with Jamal Williams at the uh, number two there. And Aaron Rodgers, he wasn't a, even a top-tier quarterback last season. I saw a stat somewhere. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think it was like Aaron Rodgers in like – some majority of the season didn't even have more than 15 points a game at quarterback and like for Aaron Rodgers that is like that's bad like I don't want to take a quarterback you know say like sixth seventh best quarterback off the board who isn't even gonna perform up to those expectations for a majority of the season so you know Aaron Rodgers I'm just staying away from him this season I think you know he's I think he's out of his prime I think he's still a solid quarterback but fantasy wise I'm I'm all out on Aaron Rodgers pretty much yeah, I'm kind of neutral on Aaron Rodgers here. I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you. I do think that his, his best days are behind him as a quarterback. Uh, he's also not being drafted like a top, top-tier quarterback this year. I mean, I think that so think far he's like in Knox, six he's in the or sixth like round. Seven. He's in the sixth, no, he's in the sixth round. I mean, he's. Yeah. I think he's being drafted around like 10th, 12th quarterback drafted. Uh, you could check me on that. But, I mean, I don't think it's a terrible value where he's being drafted. I think that there's a potential that this lights a fire under him with them drafting uh, Jordan Love. I think that there's a there's a potential for a back, back bounce back season here. Uh, I I'm, I wouldn't be so confident. I'm not drafting him personally, but I don't see anything particularly wrong with like drafting him where his ADP is. Yeah, I mean he, he's finally the shine is finally worn off draft wise with Aaron Rodgers. He can still give you that five six touchdown game out of nowhere, but uh, being drafted as the quarterback eleven is not what we ever saw thought we would see with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean yeah, no. he's, it's just like. I just can't trust him. Like you mentioned Kyler Murray, Nate. If like I'm in the sixth round and Kyler Murray and Aaron Rodgers are there, I'm taking Kyler, Kyler Murray. Murray's not going to be available in the sixth round. Well, you There's never know. People, chance. I've been in drafts where people have taken Aaron Rodgers in the first round before. Right? You never, you never know with these people. But I'm saying theoretically, like if like Kyler Murray and Aaron Rodgers are available to me at, at the spot in the sixth round, I'm taking Murray over Aaron Rodgers in my opinion. I just can't trust Aaron Rodgers this season with, you know, Aaron Jones now coming onto the scene. You know, he's an absolute monster. I, I just can't trust him. You know, that's all I'm trying to say. I, I don't know who I hate more, Gardner Minshew or Aaron Rodgers this season, honestly. I just don't I know. Mean, do you guys uh, – I mean, last thing here, just uh, do you guys have any breakout bust tight ends? I think it's going to be an interesting tight end landscape. We had a lot of movement towards the top there. I mean, we had uh, – especially Austin Hooper moved uh, to the Browns. I think that's an interesting move. Uh, I'm not really sure how to feel about that. But uh, where, where would you guys place Austin Hooper? Do you think that he's potential uh, – potentially going to be even better this year? Do you think he's going to get worse? Do you think that there's someone else that's really going to move up to that top level? Yeah, I don't think Hooper's going to do better than he did in Atlanta. That's for sure. I think David Njoku, you know, still being there, Beckham, Landry, the running-centric offense in Cleveland, the volume's going to come down for Hooper, by my estimation. Breakout tight end-wise, there's a couple there, – there's a handful of guys I think are interesting. Uh, I think Mike Gesicki still fits into that, that situation in Miami. We saw it at the end of last year, and it takes tight ends a little time to find their footing, but he's an early-round draft pick that – has got a lot of measurables that I liked. And uh, Noah Fant in Denver is somebody else that I still think has a lot of upside. Uh, even Chris, Chris Herndon in, in uh, New York is somebody that is interesting because when he's made it to the football field, he's been pretty involved. So those are three guys that I like. I, I don't know if I'm chasing any Hooper value from last year. Yeah, you know, for, for tight ends, at least, I'm not really uh, – I'm not really – a big believer in taking those flyers in the late rounds. You know, obviously last year was Mark Andrews. That worked out for people. But I, if there's like a Zach Ertz, Darren Waller, or like Hunter Henry available to me, like fifth, sixth round, usually the, that's where I go for a tight end. Last year, uh, I was a big, big Hunter Henry guy. Had him on almost every team. And then I kind of got uh, screwed over when he got hurt in the very beginning of the season, which, uh, which stunk. But then he came back and he ended up being pretty decent. So that was nice. But, you know, I'm, I'm more of taking – I don't like taking any of the top three tight ends. I like the, uh, the middle of the pack guys, you know, the, the four, five, six, seven guys. I want that consistency, someone who's proven and someone who I know will play pretty well week in, week out. 
So if there's like a flyer tight end in the later round that I may believe uh, believe in, I'm not taking that guy as my starter. I'll take him as a bench piece. But, you know, uh, for sleeper tight ends like Noah Fan, I really like him this upcoming season. Uh, with Austin Hooper, I definitely agree that his production is going to go down uh, with those weapons in Cleveland. And I can't really uh, think of any other, like, breakout tight end. Tight end is just such an unpredictable, like, position, at least in terms of, like, production-wise and, you know, the volume they get. It's just so like we saw with TJ Hawkins in last season, week one, he had a great game and then he did absolutely nothing for the rest of the season. It's just like tight ends, just such a weird, unpredictable, unpredictable position that like, it's just so hard to predict like breakouts and busts for them really. Yeah. I mean, for me, someone who's on my radar, uh, he actually, he broke out last year, but he's definitely still someone to definitely watch for in draft to see if he falls. Um, someone pretty much the only person for me to root for besides maybe Josh Jacobs in fantasy from uh, the Raiders team is uh, Darren Waller. I mean, he had a fantastic breakout season last year, but his touchdown total was still really low. And, you know, like you said before, uh, those low touchdown totals, they can also, they can often be due to chance and uh, you'll get, you'll get a nice bounce back most of the times in uh, in the next season as they kind of regress to the mean in that department. Uh, I could see Darren, Wall- Darren Waller having a similar season to last year in terms of yards and catches. Uh, but maybe put up like eight touchdowns instead of like the three or four that he actually had. That would be impressive. I would say that 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 would be a <laughs> tight end that I would want on my team. I don't know if uh, you agree with that, Andy. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right about the touchdown positive. You know, regression going back towards five, six, seven. I think the passing volume will probably go down a little bit. I mean, I know Derek Carr loves the the underneath route, but he didn't have Hunter Renfro until the end of the year. And you saw Renfro's activity start to reduce the volume for, for Darren Waller. And uh, you've added some pieces in free agency. Maybe, you know, maybe you end up with Tyra Williams, healthy Henry Ruggs involvement. Josh Jacobs actually catching some passes. Uh, could bring the volume down for Waller, but we certainly love the Wallerists over here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Waller is definitely a tight end that, I would be more than willing to take in the fifth, sixth round uh, as my starter. You know, he showed his consistency last season with the uh, yardage and the catches. Definitely a very good PPR tight end right there. And, you know, if he's able to add those touchdowns on, that would be great. If not, he's still a solid tight end. But uh, with that, you know, we're running a bit uh, short on time. So I'm going to wrap the show up here today. Andy, I want to thank you so much for being able to come on the show today, man, and being able to talk with us. You have anything else you want to say before we sign off? No, no, I uh, I love what you guys are doing, and I wish you the best of luck. I'm I was happy to join you today, and uh, hopefully we have a really fun season. That you know, I know that there's so much unknown out there, but I know fantasy football also brings some normalcy to human lives right now. And uh, you know, I can tell from you guys' energy that you're looking forward to it as well. <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, fingers crossed we get a season. Fantasy football, you know, every every fall and winter really uh, makes fa- uh, football season more exciting, at least uh, for Nate and I with a uh, very below average team. Uh, Nate, you got anything else you want to say before we sign off, man? Uh, not much, I guess. Just uh, Derek Carr is good. Gardner Minshew is good. Uh, you know, uh, Melvin Gordon, not good. Uh, we got who else? Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders is not as great as Ryan thinks, and uh, it'll it'll show this next season. I hope that I all the, the parting shots. Out. This is this is <laughs> I need to start bringing that into our podcast. Where I just say like five or six things and say goodbye. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, Nate. We'll see what happens, man. But before we sign off, guys, make sure you follow us on Instagram at QF under uh, QF Podcast. We actually changed our Instagram name to QF Podcast, so make sure you check us out there and on Twitter at qf podcast you know we post fun content behind the scenes and episode updates so be sure to check us out there and drop a follow and that'll be it for today guys i want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening and we'll see you guys next time